You work your side of the street, and I'll work mine. Hello. I want to report a murder. You learn to love the rope. That's how you beat him. The Carboni boys, you're supposed to go places, but look at this. I'm a struggling businessman. This guy here hauls ice around like a dumb Eskimo, and you throw stiffs in a crate. It's a very classy crew. Welcome to Alcatraz. This is the movie Hall of Fame. This week we're talking Quentin Tarantino, famed 90s auteur, leader of the American independent movement, friend of Harvey Weinstein. And quite unbeloved by Sight and Sound. Uh, yes, not uh, <laughs> does not have a friend in the British Film Institute. But we're talking about him. Not his movies, no. No, no. The movies of his youth. That's right. The movies that made the man behind the camera. <laughs> the foot fetishist that he is yes. today. How did young Quentin become this monster? <laughs> Everyone's been asking that question. I don't know. I think we got closer to this, uh, the truth, though, with uh, his latest book, Cinema Speculation, which is on bookshelves now. Oh, plug, Nico. A plug for something that you have nothing to do with. Yeah, that I'm not getting paid yeah, for. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> Tarantino thanks you. <laughs> Cinema Speculation. Pick yourselves up a copy, as Adam and I did. We're going to talk about that book today, specifically five films. That Quentin uh, included in his book of film criticism. Yeah. How's it going, Adam? I've seen a lot of movies lately, bro. Yeah. And I'm tired. Right. And I'm not done yet. That's the frustrating thing. I've seen so many movies lately that mm. it's that it's just... When you see enough movies in succession... <coughs> God bless you. Thank you. But boy, it can make you hate movies. <laughs> Yeah, despite how good they are, and a lot of the ones that I saw were quite good. Mm. But even then, I'm just like, "Geez, Louise, I've just been looking at a screen for too long." Mm. I uh, do not feel that way. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm fucking jazz. Are you? No, you're. you're <laughs> I am high on my own supply. I was right gonna now. say you're that you're that cokehead in a dark room. I am so high on looking movies. looking at a fucking flashlight. <laughs> Dude, I have been going to the movie theater. Th- th- this has been the fun part. I've been to the movies so many times the last few weeks, just catching up on releases. Maybe if I went to the theater more, because I've seen a lot of the movies. Oh, so. it's been great. I'm seeing movies that I don't like in the theater, and it's and Ooh. I'm getting off on it. You know. Well, what have you seen? Do we want to talk about that now? I guess we can if you get, want. Yeah, I'd like to get it out of the way. Yeah, I got my list. Uh, I saw a movie called The Menu. Oh, how was that? Uh, I um didn't like it. It's not for me. It's not for me, this movie. It's kind of Midsommar uh, with more of a comedy edge and with a bigger cast and... Uh, Seems dumb. Not as smart. Oh. Yeah, okay. It's fine. It's okay. You might like it. It's it's a horror movie, but it's also a social satire uh, and it's also kind of a comedy, but it doesn't really lean into any of those genres enough 
in my opinion. It is not schlocky enough to be a good horror comedy. It is not scary enough to be pure horror. It is not funny enough to be a pure comedy. Okay. It is kind of in that middle zone. And it has a cast of actors who uh, I think we all quite adore. Anya Taylor-Joy, yeah. Nicholas Holt, Ray Fiennes in the lead role, and some good uh, supporting performances from uh, faces you would recognize. Uh, kind of wasted, though, in my opinion. It's too bad. Kind of wasted. People like this movie. It's doing well. It That's got good reviews. Box office returns have been pretty good. I'm Sweet. happy when any movie does well in the theaters. All right. Just not for me. That's fine. That's all I have on the menu. Okay. That's all I had on the menu for the menu. Okay. I see I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm seeing that. I, I, a lot of the movies that I saw this, this week, I, I want to save for the end of the year. Um Oh, so I can't. But, you know, there were a few though. Like, uh, uh, I I don't think Glass Onion is really in the running for me for the top ten. No, um, you don't have to like t- like uh, um, go into detail what you thought of the movies because some of the ones that I saw, I want to say, but I could tell you the ones that I have seen. Yeah. yeah so uh, let's see. Uh, well, I of course saw the Fablemans. Me too. We both saw the Fablemans. More on that in a couple weeks. Um. You know, I saw uh, a couple documentaries. Mm, what'd you see? I saw the Robert Downey Jr. Oh. Uh, documentary about his father, Senior. How was that? Quite good. Okay. Quite I, moving. I've been meaning to watch that. Also saw a movie called Stutz about <sighs> Jonah Hill and his therapist. I did not give two shits about that one. Not as moving. <laughs> <laughs> did not look good. Not as moving. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence film on Apple TV called Causeway. Mm. Oh, what a slog. Yeah. What a fucking slog. <laughs> Holy shit. Really? Get on with it. She's really fallen out of favor for me, dude. I don't Boring know. as hell. Yeah. I saw a documentary called Fire of Love on Disney+. Plus. I did too. What'd you think? One of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah, we'll talk later. Yep. Uh, I saw Armageddon Time. Uh, oh, I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll uh, get there. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, safe to say we'll be talking about it uh, shortly. Uh, Clerks 3 I watched, uh, one of the worst movies of the year. Holy <laughs> fucking shit. Honestly, it's not that low for me. <laughs> wow, Not even close to the worst movie of the year. I've seen. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was and watch- I was expecting bad. I was watching this. I'm like, like, like almost hyperventilating by how much I knew you were going to despise the movie. Oh, my god! I was like, oh, my God. Is this constructed in a lab to make Nico just see? The- I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, what is happening, Kevin Smith? Uh, so the Woman King, pretty solid. I, I don't think uh, it's not gonna not gonna blow you away, but also that's part of the charm of it. Okay, uh, just really solid, uh, you know, studio action movie. Um, you know, bunch of shit. A lot more still to come. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. How many movies did you see? In I total? saw a lot. I saw plenty. What does that mean? There's a ton. You no, see no, no, this no. list? It's fucking long, dude. Are those all the movies that you saw since the last time we talked? Uh, basically, yeah. Wow. Yeah, basically. Wow. <laughs> No, what else? I got to hear. I got to I got to add to my list. Uh I saw the Jared Carmichael stand-up special, Rathaniel. All right. Uh saw Amsterdam. I think we talked about that last time. Yes, we did. Um Yeah. I think that's it. That's it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. I don't know. What does that mean maybe? I don't know. All There's right. a couple that I got in the back pocket just yeah, you know, that are going to make the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, well... Just uh, don't want to blow my load, man. 
The the the, the top ten list podcast is coming next episode. I don't need you to talk. Oh, you in just, two weeks. You just want to make it. A, oh, a surprise. I just like, want a little bit of suspense. Yeah. Oh, kind of like what I did, and how, like told you there are movies that I that I saved till the end of the the year. That kind of thing. Yeah, I just don't want to. Yeah, you will play my tricks. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I just don't want to <laughs> give it away because I got some surprises on the top uh, ten. I might blow some minds. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'll go through the ones that I've seen really quick. Okay. Uh, some of which you've already seen, which we and some of which we just talked about. Um, I'll just list them: Fire of Love, uh, Funny Pages, Bones and All, The Fablemans, Pearl, Resurrection, The Wonder, Troll. Oh wait, time out. Let's talk Resurrection for a second. Oh, Can no. you just get this off your chest? It's a, one of the worst. <laughs> now here, here you go. One of the worst movies I've seen this year. Is it below Clerks Two? Way, way lower than <laughs> Clerks Two. Way lower. It's like one of the bottom five. It is so bad, this movie. I don't think it's that bad. Yes, it is. This movie's so dramatically worse. Oh, my God. Nothing in this movie works at all. It's a bit dull. It is A bit dull. It's really buttoned up. And if you take away the subject matter, which is actually quite troubling and disturbing, I don't think you have a horror movie. I don't even consider it a horror movie, dude. It's more of like a psychological thriller at best. But it's not much of a thriller. Yeah, it's just not thrilling. It's not much of anything. I think the Rebecca Hall performance is really good. I think all the performances are good. And I think she's, she is a part of a better movie, hidden somewhere in this movie. She's not in the right movie, though. She doesn't know what movie she's in, clearly. Yeah. It's not, There's it's, some good scenes, though. The scene where she tells the story to the assistant in the office I thought was very good. Nope. Didn't like that, huh? No, whole movie can go straight to hell. <laughs> wasted my fucking time. And I, I don't like saying that about a movie, but this thing really, 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 really wasted my time. It was a worthless movie. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, it was, it was it's bad. What, what's, what's it at for me? <laughs> Oh my god! Hated almost everything about. Do you have any like public service announcements? Like people, please stay away from this movie. I would argue, please stay away from this movie. Okay, it will drive. Are there you, any other ones? It'll drive you nuts. Please stay away from this movie. Yeah. Uh oh my god, yeah. Resurrection below Pinocchio and right above the Adam Project. Pinocchio is the Mecca's is Pinocchio, the Mecca's I imagine. Is Pinocchio. Not the Del Toro Pinocchio, no. which I don't think is out yet. No, it's not. Okay. Which I will see. Um, but, 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 no, no other real significant public service announcements. Uh, I would say don't see Thor Love and Thunder, which is another movie I saw. <laughs> it's terrible. Piece of shit, huh? Piece of fuck. What happened there? That movie was a train wreck. Dude, what happened though? That was a, that was a disaster of a movie that made no sense to me. I, I couldn't I couldn't break down why they thought any of that was a good idea. It's like a parody that doesn't know it's a parody. It's very weird. Yeah, they literally did like a previously on Thor recap in the yeah. first five. Like it is so hokey. It's so bad. Yeah, it's not funny. It's not it's funny. Not funny. Not funny at all. And even the stuff I liked about Ragnarok, like the, the Taika character, the rock character, just yeah. No laughs to be found. No. Nope. And then you have Christian Bale doing, I mean, just. I didn't even like him in the movie. I didn't. I didn't like I mean, him at all. He's barely in it. Yeah. I mean, he's in another movie, too, is the other thing. Yeah. And, and they kind of use him that way. Like, there's a scene in particular where they visit this planet in black and white. And that's yeah. kind of like where Christian Bale lives and hangs out. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the implication there is that. Yeah, we know that we're making a, a brightly colored, flamboyant Marvel movie. Yeah. And that Christian Bale is doing this very <laughs> different thing. Uh, but it's just more annoying than anything else. Like, I never thought, like, oh, this is pushing the Marvel Cinematic Universe forward in any way. I don't know. What is, what, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Where do we end up? It's so Wh- Why was Natalie Portman even in the movie? Oh, good. 
witness, Natalie Portman. The fuck was that? The, 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 what was that whole story? Well, I, the, talk about offensive with the way they were treating the, the cancer, the cancer yeah. aspect of it all. God, like a t- tone deaf, <laughs> tone deaf much. Uh, Jesus Christ. I don't, have any, I don't have anything good to say about it, really. Honestly, it's one of the worst Marvel movies I've seen in a long time. It's rough. It's a tone deaf, awful. Oh, I don't know if it's one of the worst. I don't know. I've seen a lot of bad Marvel movies lately, my dude. Yeah, it's the worst. I've seen a lot of bad ones. What's, That's the worst? Yeah, what, I don't know what's worse. That Of all the Marvel movies, that is the worst? Not, no, last five years, maybe, of that I've seen. I haven't seen like some of the really bad ones, but Jesus Christ, I like this a lot more than, or I like Shang-Chi way more than this. Way more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, way more. What else? And I actually loved uh, 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 Doctor Strange, despite its flaws. Um, Troll, I saw on Netflix. Pretty good. Uh, Moon Age Daydream, really good. Uh, oh, haven't gotten around to it yet. Really good. Mm. Uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. We'll talk about that. Wait. No. What? We'll talk about it when? Maybe we'll talk about it later. It's a really good movie. No shit. <laughs> it's really good. Really? It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Wow, did I not have you pegged as a Bodies, Bodies, Bodies fan? Oh. Wow. A lot, because you loved it. Did you see it? Wow. Did you see it? <laughs> Let's talk. Because I thought it was quite good. Let's look. I thought it was a very clever takedown. All right, let's talk in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, is it high on your we'll list? We'll see. I don't know. Ah, yeah. But I'm intrigued. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Is that one of the ones you didn't want to mention? <laughs> um, it's probably not going to make my list. But yeah. I don't know if it'll make my list, but it was a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Our girl, our Simsbury girl, Rachel Sanat, is, is excellent. fucking awesome in it. I just figured you'd be annoyed by all the millennials, or, or not even, I'm sorry, not millennial, the, the Gen Z Zoomer bullshit. Yeah, but you're, that's partially the point. Right. Uh, quite obviously so. Yeah. Uh, any movie that handles Pete Davidson the way this movie handled Pete Davidson is a plus in my book. Totally. So, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. That was a that was a lot of points. I was like, "What are they gonna do?" Oh, oh, okay. It's a good movie. <laughs> so there was that. All right, what else? Uh, where the crawdads sing? I saw it. Yeah, it was, that movie made like a billion dollars. Like it, was, it did really well. And I've heard not good things. Nah, it could do a lot worse. It's okay. a fine little cable movie, I guess. Uh-huh. And finally, Bullet Train. <laughs> yeah kind of rules <laughs> really <laughs> it's not it's not that good but it's uh oh, i've heard people just fucking destroy it, this it. movie no it's fun <laughs> it's really stupid but it's fun <laughs> oh man it's fun one of the probably the best i've seen aaron taylor johnson like ever he is so good in the movie wow. he's he's like it made me go let me like fall in love with aaron taylor johnson in a way that i didn't think was possible wow now it's now he's in a running for my uh anti-Oscars because he fuck, he's just so awesome in the movie loved him loved it yeah, I don't know if you would love it but it was a it was a rollicking good time of a of a uh, Guy Ritchie ripoff which is really what it is gotta be honest I saw some of the clips and I saw some of the dialogue that mm. they put into Brad Pitt's mouth and yeah. I just thought to myself what are we doing with our movie stars like oh why are we making Brad Pitt into Deadpool that bothered me I don't know if that was even it no they're they're ter- they're they're more it to me he was much closer to like fucking uh 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 a more buddhist version of like um um jack burton okay uh which is way cool he's not deadpool at all 
at all at all. Okay. At all. all right. No, I would. I don't. I don't see the comparison whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I just saw some fucking. I don't know. The dialogue looked. It's that modern thing of like suck a dick, fucking. It's really stupid. Goon the, squad, like it's just. Oh yeah, no. There's all plenty. that very silly, just not cool. Like Jack Burton's dialogue is in, great. Is yeah. in. Uh, it's in not big trouble. Is fucking yeah. His character in the movie, like his placement, like it's not. Like, a, is it funny? Do you find some of the one-liners funny? It's not even the one-liners. I find just the, sometimes the visual comedy to be pretty funny. Okay. And it's a great little plethora of of insane, unrealistic characters. You can't really take the movie seriously. Okay. It's a it's a movie where cars explode on impact with other cars for no good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, vi- the violence is absurd. You know, the 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 it it feels like a, a slew of like random video game characters thrown into a train car, and mm-hmm. you know the the big bad guy is a cameo. It's like a big reveal, and it was I was utterly shocked by who they got to play the big bad guy. I mean, I guess it's it's great casting, but I just had no idea he was in the movie. Okay, uh, and it was awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's really stupid. Uh, uh, but strangely enough, I had a fun little time. It's not gonna make my list. Not even not even close. But I was like, you know something? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was fun. Uh, that was fun. You could have done worse. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's it. That's it. All right. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for two weeks. <laughs> you didn't think I'd like bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> I didn't didn't have that pegged on my no. bingo card. No. Uh okay, here we go. Let's do it. Let's get into it here. Uh Quentin Tarantino. A guy that um listen, for better or for worse, was my like gateway drug into the world of film to begin with. I mean, I'm just not here if it were not for him and like his specific tastes mm. you know there there is really no other filmmaker um that at least for myself on a personal level but maybe just for like the film culture at large um uh, th- there's no filmmaker whose personal tastes and the things that he likes means more to the culture and means more to the stuff that i like that you like you know i mean maybe scorsese is kind of you know that that ombudsman of film for a lot of people but i feel like for guys of our age that you know grew up watching the 90s independent movement in college uh and you know falling in love with the movies of of tarantino's era and then learning about the guy and then learning about the the movies that the guy has championed over the years like like that to me is i i hear it as just such a common pathway and entry point Mm -hmm. for people into this world um so I'm always going to be there when he's talking about movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm always going to soak it up. And I know in recent years, like, I think his very specific tastes. His and voice, his, the way he expresses And his voice, tastes, I yeah. think, has, has irritated a lot of people. Irritated me, frankly. But I'll tell you what, though, man. The guy fucking believes what he believes. That's okay. That's a good thing. I don't want him to change in that way. And he's an individual and, like, he rigorously defends his points. And he has the knowledge to back it up. And you might just like disagree with him fundamentally on uh, just a subjective level. But objectively, like he is coming to the duel at high noon with a lot of ammunition, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing reading this book. It's just like this is a perspective that I am not getting from anyone else. No one else believes what Quentin Tarantino believes about Bullet or, you know. Oh, yeah. Believes about Paradise Alley. Well, I. I 
this is one of my criti- not criticisms, but when he was talking about Bullet, for example, that was one of the things where it's like, isn't it kind of agreed upon that everyone knows that Bullet is the shit? Yeah, that was one of those examples where it's like you don't need to defend Bullet. Bullet rocks, and we all know it. Right. But him defending Paradise Alley was interesting. Him defending uh, even like Rolling Thunder, which you know um, we'll get to that. But that that was another one. Where it's like, oh, what is this? I've never heard of that. And it's like for him to come out and champion that movie of all movies was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah. So I I just devoured this book in like a week, and um, I. I loved it. I, would I put it up there with like the Andrew Saracis and Pauline Kales and even the Richard Brodies of today in terms of like really eloquent, uh, reasoned, thought out, balanced film criticism? No. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's a it's a conversation. Yeah, it's the ravings of a madman is what it is. It's a madman writing about movies from his childhood. Uh, but I mean, that is. That is stuff that I'm I'm very interested in. I am I am interested in his forthrightness and uh, the reckless abandon that he writes with. And listen, like there's fucking typos in this book. There's, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. for sure. There's random asides that don't go anywhere. I don't know. Like, I, I imagine he had an editor for this, but it doesn't seem like the editor gave him too many notes. Well, even with the chat, <laughs> no, no notes. Yeah, no well, notes. Well, even with the chapters that I read, it's like he barely talked about the fucking movie yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's like what, what? <laughs> especially with the paradise alley when i'm like oh the paradise alley chapter is incredible talk about the fucking movie it's <laughs> fucking amazing <laughs> and the escape from uh alcatraz one doesn't talk about that movie all that much yeah the enough. paradise alley chapter he spends like 20 pages telling you about the difference between the east side boys and the bowery boys <sighs> And then it, it contrast them with like it, there's like five there's like the dead end kids yeah it's like what are we talking there's the about little what tough you- guys there's the gas house kids I'm like what are you even- what are you going on about as the English say what are you on about right yeah that, um and I mean that I fucking love that shit dude okay I love that you stuff. love your you love your crazy people yeah. I I can take it or leave it right. some some of his musings were very entertaining and then some of them were like please get to the fucking point what are you talking about I get it um overall very rewarding experience I did enjoy the read honestly yeah. uh, um at, no I wouldn't put it up there with like the the highest praised scholarly film criticism out there mm-hmm. um but it is a, a nice interesting sort of grounded perspective that I think we all get uh steered in a way that allows us to see films that we might not have seen which is the best thing about it yeah i mean it's so funny like you just listen to him reference movies that you've never heard of <laughs> i mean there are so many black exploitation films oh, and, yeah. like <laughs> movies he saw during double features and like one movie that his mom took him to yeah it's like, like one movie kind of pans out but like the other one literally has been buried to time and you just it, to me, it's pornography. Just hearing him list all of these <laughs> movies that I'll probably never see. Some of them I might seek out, but most of them I'm never going to see and I'm never going to discuss with anyone. But like, I love that stuff, dude. Yeah, it, just because you can feel you can feel him reaching back into his subconscious. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, and picking out like, oh, like yeah, this is why he he did that shot in Jackie Brown that way, and like, you know, like uh, he he talked about. There was an actress in Rolling Thunder that he tried getting out of retirement to, um, I think, for Kill Bill. And uh, it's like, man, that like that makes total sense why he would write that the way that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think isn't there like a it, it, in Kill Bill Volume Two? 
uh, I forget the woman that plays the the killer with the eye patch, but when she uh, walks, doesn't Daryl Hannah? Yeah, the Daryl. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, that's Daryl Hannah. Uh, the Daryl Hannah character is like whistling the Bernard Herman score from Sisters. Yep. As she and they do the cross cutting. There's a lot of the DNA and like his other movies and the way he talks about them. And, right. Yeah. Which makes that sense. to me it unlocked. Like. Oh yeah. Oh, I now I really get it. I thought I got it before, but now I really get it. Yeah. No, I agree. No, the, look, I I kept thinking that um, it was a it was an insight that sort of like like you know, demystified the guy to a degree, which I really really liked. Um, I loved picking up on those references that he was talking about. That was a tremendous amount of fun. Mm-hmm. But like you, like really like what you said. It's like he was able to be eloquent. And also crazy at the same time. Yes, <laughs> the amount of expletives thrown in his right. speech. Because I I listened to the audiobook. For, oh no! It was what? so funny. <laughs> it was so. What did you do? So what did you do? So funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. Why would you do that? To oh my god! You have so you actually heard it in his voice. Nope. It was some other dude. Oh, <laughs> oh, he didn't narrate the book. Oh man! So you're hearing a voice actor saying it as properly as one could imagine. That's incredible. We have no fucking idea what the plot of Bullet really is about. That's great. <laughs> it was the shit. That's great. <laughs> Honestly, made the experience a lot better for me. <laughs> I was so happy that I did that. That was the guy British. Nope. Okay, but he was like he had a very easy on the ears voice. I very, imagine. very, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good because as I'm reading it, I'm hearing Tarantino's voice. Yeah, oh yeah, I I completely imagine it's probably uh, occasionally I would start to hear it too. Sure, that that was the fascinating thing about it. it's like oh I I I hear his his dialogue in here. It's it's the certain inflections like yep. you just right yeah yeah yeah. Um, okay, so we picked five movies from the list. Uh, I'll, I'll just read all of the chapters just to give you a sense. Uh, Bullet, Dirty Harry, Deliverance, The Getaway. These are all movies from like the the late sixties, early seventies. Uh, the Outfit. Uh, there is a uh, a chapter about Kevin Thomas called Second String Samurai. Uh, there's a, a chapter about the Film Brats and their sort of rise in the seventies. Uh, there's a chapter about Brian De Palma's sisters, uh, uh, Daisy Miller, Taxi Driver, uh, as well as a. A, and the taxi driver's uh, uh, chapter, as you can imagine, is quite incredible. Um, but there's a follow-up chapter called What If De Palma Directed Taxi Driver Instead of Martin Scorsese? Fascinating. Which um, uh, it, it, he gets this idea from a, a story he heard about Paul Schrader meeting with Brian De Palma uh, in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And De Palma being the first of the film brats to get his hands on a script for Taxi Driver. And him passing on it because he didn't think it was mainstream enough. Yeah. And, you know, what would happen if he actually walked through that door? What would the movie look like? And he's able to slip into the consciousness of Brian De Palma Mm. in a way that only Quentin Tarantino would be able to do because he is so obsessed with Brian De Palma's movies. Does he is he able to like properly paint the movie for you? He is. Okay. He is. You understand exactly what the movie would be. He says like they would probably change the point of view character. Ooh. Uh, You know, it would probably be more centered on the political office, and uh, and and. And De Niro would sort of be seen as a more one-dimensional villain. 
Um, you know, it would be much more of a conspiracy thriller about the political assassination, and it would be more about the action sequences and the spectacle. Uh, he, he speculates about if they would have changed the Harvey Keitel casting because in the original script it was a black character, yeah, and because of the studio notes, Scorsese decided to put Keitel there instead. Um, so like he is able to slip into De Palma's state of mind cool. in the mid seventies. And it's, I mean, it's it, that to me just demonstrates his knowledge um, better than, than anything else in the book. It's really cool. He's a crazy man, that Tarantino. Yeah. Just that, it's because <laughs> you're like, of course he would fucking do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. He also loves the guy too much to not do that. Right. That, that De Palma. But even his insights on De Palma and like how, what he thinks De Palma thinks about filmmaking or why he got into filmmaking in the first place, the scientist behind the director right. is also very fascinating. Yeah. One that I had known that De Palma was in, was was interested in that prior to getting into film, but I never really considered that he would bring a lot of that into his filmmaking until Tarantino discussed it with me. And yeah. I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. Right, he was more a tactician than he was an artist. Yes. Really, right. Uh, Rolling Thunder, Paradise Alley, Escape from Alcatraz, hardcore. Didn't, and, didn't I was said I was going to watch hardcore. I didn't find the time, but I'll see it. Uh, and the fun house uh, round out the list. Sweet, it, it's a cool book. Recommend picking it up. Let's talk about the movies. We'll begin with 1968's Bullet, directed by Peter Yates, starring Steve McQueen, Don Gordon, and Robert Vaughn. He's awesome in this movie. I mm-hmm. fucking love Robert Vaughn in this. Yeah. Also, a young uh, Robert Duvall pops up. That's right. Yeah. As the cab driver. Mm-hmm. Winner of Best Film Editing at the Academy Awards. Makes good perfect sense, because it's got one of the best edited sequences in all the movies. Mm-hmm. An all-guts-no-glory San Francisco cop becomes determined to find the underworld kingpin that killed the witness in his protection. Yep. Uh, Tarantino, the, the he wrote a lot about McQueen in this chapter mm-hmm. and just his sort of stoicism. And uh, I think the direct quote is, has anyone been able to do more by doing less than Steve McQueen? <laughs> it's it's true. He, Steve McQueen is like Ryan Gosling before Ryan Gosling does it. Totally. Oh my ways. God, it's the same fucking thing as Drive. Same thing as Drive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. I'd never seen this movie. Uh, well, I had nominated the movie, I think, on this pod before we talked about I talked about it in any way. I talked about how much I love it. One of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, just a rock solid, cool fucking movie mm. that has got some of the best action sequences I've ever seen. But more than that, just like the procedural stuff of it all, if you even want to call it that, is just so weird and enthralling and sometimes scary. The movie takes you in a, in a bunch of different directions that, in my opinion, I you know you don't ever expect a movie like this to do. It's uh, it's it. I didn't care that I didn't know what was going on. I always felt the dread of the situation, and it's communicated beautifully just through pure cinema it's just a purely cinematic movie mm-hmm. it's like I don't I, I couldn't describe the plot to you but god I, I remember every single thing about it it's yeah. fascinating and, uh, and and Tarantino in the book even said like yeah I, I don't remember the plot no one would remember the plot but I mean you would remember how we got there you remember the vibe of the thing yeah you remember so much about yeah yeah exactly yeah and I, I thought like this point 
I understand he was saying, I don't necessarily agree, but he said like, eh, you know, the movie kind of just uh, dispels with the bullshit and it's just like, we don't really care who the dead body is. We don't really care how we got there. I, I, uh, nah. I don't know. I, I, I disagree. I think there are plenty of seventies and eighties cop movies where like the plot is very coherent and clear. And I and I do care about it. Yeah, I, I agree too. Uh, maybe this movie is is not so interested, and that's fine too. But um, like Chinatown, for example, like that's not really an action movie, but like I I know the plot of Chinatown. Yeah, and it's a coherent plot, and it's a plot that I care about. Yeah, challenging but still coherent. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? I loved it. Good. Thought it was sick. Was <laughs> yeah, fucking, it's fucking dope. Thought it was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, the score? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo. <laughs> the score, dude? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, in fucking credible. Just jazzy. Mm. Uh, particularly in the open with the opening credits. Yep. Um, is uh, just excellent. It is a sexy, sexy score. Lalo uh, Shafirin, who did the Mission Impossible theme. So that's a pretty, the original Mission Impossible. Yeah, thing, yeah. that's a pretty uh, fucking iconic bit on the resume. Uh, just a, one of the great composers ever did Enter the Dragon, Dirty Harry, Cool Hand Luke, all that stuff. Uh, that score to me, it, it clicked in like, oh, this is what Soderbergh has been chasing with his crime movies. Sure, sure like sure, it's sure. it's that it's that specific blend of jazz and the way the camera sort of moves and cuts that specific editing style, the sort of the casualness, but also intensity boiling Very under the surface. Yeah, yeah. Like that, oh, that's Soderbergh. The violence to it is is the big thing. Like violent, even when it's not violent. Yes. You know, that's, that exemplifies jazz in a lot of ways because so it's, it's so combative. Right. Um, the score is excellent. Yeah. And I mean, all the stuff that everyone talks about is great. I mean, the, the car chase is as good as advertised. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big car chase guy in movies? I know De Palma's not, funny enough. Yeah. Uh... Well, um, I, I, ooh, this is a good question because I think I am, but actually, but there's that, there's, there's this part of my brain that wants to hate them because they're done to death, hmm. but God damn, there's nothing like a car chase when it's done right. Yes. And I think of, you know, all the Mad Max movies, of course, but then I think of, uh, uh, the fucking French connection. Right. I think of, uh, this, this is a big one that pops up into my head. Maybe even sometimes more than the French connection. Mm. Uh, I love this French one. connection. owes a shit ton to this movie. A lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, this, this thing walked so French connection could fly. This thing is nail bite. Like I, uh, it's so tactile too. Like, yeah, I think I may be with you in the sense that they're mostly done to death and they're mostly done just as filler or to advance the plot to sure. get characters from one point to another point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're they're usually tactile in the way that I want them to be. No. Like I like wreckage. That's the thing about French Connection that rules so hard is it's the wreckage of it. Yeah, it's own. not so much that the car's going fast, it's that all the other cars that are crashing around Gene Hackman's car. That's true, but you, you but some of the more fascinating car chase scenes you can do are the ones that are a little more careful. Like this one is careful for like half of it, where they're just kind of slowly driving around the hills of San Francisco looking for the guy, and then they find him, then they don't, then they find him again, and then it just kind of climaxes with that long stretch down the highway that is so thrilling. Mm. You know, there's a there's like a story being told within the chase. I love that in the opening of Drive. That's like a car chase without a car chase, but it's like they're not being chased by anybody in yeah, particular. Well, yeah, right. But that that but that 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 thrill of just a light 
is scary. Like they, when you can be creative with it, it, it is very interesting and it always seems to work. It's just, it's kind of like that horror movie thing. There are too many examples that don't work, but God, when it works, it's just better than anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember as a kid being really bored by them because I didn't like cars. Sure. I just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I, I, I remember the, the National Treasure movies, which oh. funny enough, coming back as a miniseries. I saw that. Car- Kaitel is back. Mm-hmm. Kaitel's like... But no cage. So what's the point? I don't know. I, is is like the main character like Cage's daughter or something? I guess is that what's happening? Because yeah. I saw a trailer that was like, yeah, I think it is. It yeah, is. you need to learn the truth about your father once and for all. Like, is that? Yeah, do we? And is that case? Is, is like know Cage tr- dead in that case? Like, that would upset me. I hope he's a hermit. He's just gone away and lived on an island with his. F- he's got so much money. Like, where, where did he go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I, but I remember those movies as a kid and loving them. And then when they get to the car chase, I, I immediately checked out. Yeah, I don't know what happened. There was a point in time where it just car chases all... They all felt the same, too, was part of the problem. I think the Transporter movies kind of, uh, uh, did, you know, added to that. I think um, the Taken movies, as much as I adore Taken, that, that's another example where the car chases in that... Worst are, part of the movie, yeah. yeah there's, there's nothing fun about that. But for some reason, people love that style. And you know what it might be for me? Uh, maybe it's the Bourne movies, the Bourneification of it all. Even though the Bourne Ultimatum has a really good car chase, but Bourne f- Ultimatum has a really good one, and actually Supremacy has a good one at the top. Yep, the first ten minutes of Supremacy has a really awesome car chase. But all car chases after that kind of look like a Bourne chase scene for some reason. Yeah, I don't. Ca- I, again, though, I like. I like hand to hand combat because like a body can break. You know, and and like well, if, if the cars and like obviously the Fast and Furious movies are the exception to this rule because they are you know the cars themselves are like the Batmobile to these superheroes mm-hmm. like it is they are supposed to be indestructible and it's supposed to be sexy car porn, um, but like in general, I I want the cars to blow up. You know what I mean? Like I I want them to crash into things. I want them to run over an old lady at a crosswalk every now and again. Like that's the shit I like. And bullet has enough of that of like, Oh guys, you really should slow down. That's what it feels like. You to know? Me. Cause, Cause there's not a lot of like cars blowing up. There's a, there's car. not much danger usually in a car chase. There's something about the way they cut back to Steve McQueen's face and just like getting the human perspective in the right moments, like where they're going down things where it's like, if you look at it, this is the craziest thing you've ever seen. Going down a San Francisco hill like that, right. you should not be doing that. And when they cut back to him, oh my God, it's it's so great. And again, you couldn't really do it now because nowadays movies don't have that kind of tactile edge with the exception of maybe Fury Road. But like, D- again, though, different very, though. Very, very different. different. No, I, I mean, like that, that is set in a surreal landscape mm-hmm. and it's, it's more, um, it, it's an insulated environment. It's like, you're, it, I don't, that thing is designed to take place the the Fury Road is the movie stage. Yes. And nothing is ever gonna like go on to that stage that does not directly impact the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas the cool thing about a car chase is that it's happening in society that and might anyway, fuck yeah. with real life. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I think about the original Mad Max and the scene where they go through like the trailer Yes, and, and, and they're the car. Yeah, they're hitting yeah. mailboxes. There's along a little the kid way that goes into the road. Yes, like right. It, yes, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, that's not exactly what I'm talking about there. Like and also, that's a science fiction post-apocalyptic sure. movie. Um, yeah, I like. I I need car chases to be a headache for the people in the city. Yes, <laughs> you know. I don't know if I need that, but it, but it's, but it, do, it it'll make it better for sure. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think for me, I just, I, I need to know that the driver is freaked out. Yes. M- more, more than anything. And the other thing that exemplifies it in this scene, the sound design. Great sound design. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> is it just, I'm, the, I'm real, you know, I know it's a cliche to say, I get it, but I really am there with that car. <laughs> it really does work. It's, you Ooh. know, you can't underestimate 1968, how hard that shit is to do. To, to, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, you watch even some of the earlier Bond movies and the mix doesn't sound exactly right. You know what it reminded me of was the, the. The toboggan in um, what's the one that we really liked? In, uh, the to- oh oh in sled uh, in the in, James Bond movie in uh, similar in f- on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, similar feeling of what are you guys doing? Why yes. are you shooting this? You're going to die. It yeah. is a similar kind of feeling there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also to your point, this scene nails the San Francisco of it all. One of the best San Francisco movies ever made. It's such a good San Francisco movie. Yeah. Uh, every Fucking, it's so funny. I've never been to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel like I can identify it. Sure, by anywhere in the city. Yeah, like show me any shot. I know I'm in San Francisco based on the hills, mm-hmm. based on the architecture. Something with that skyline. Something with the bay, the yeah. skyline. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like whether I'm watching the haze too. It's very very known for like that weird haze that's a kind of yes. above everything. That sort of always sits on the landscape. It doesn't really block your vision, but it kind of sets a weird mood. It's not hot. Yeah. It's not cold. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It's somewhere in between. Yeah, it's never yeah. quite summer or winter. There's no real season. Perfect place for the zodiac to kill people. <laughs> it, it, but listen, I'm watching Zodiac. I'm I'm watching uh, uh, I'm watching fucking Mrs. Doubtfire. Never mind Vertigo or anything. Like I I can identify San, the San Francisco of it. And Yeats just no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Monk for Christ's sake, <laughs> Dirty Harry too. I mean, like Peter Yates just knows how to shoot this city. I mean, he's, and he nails it. Like you, um, you really get a sense of every street corner that he turns in that car chase. Mm-hmm. Um. It's good. What uh, what do you think about McQueen in this movie? Oh, I just love that archetype. I've always loved that archetype. That's part of the reason why I, I love Gosling so much. Yeah. Because Gosling took it and ran with it and beautifully. But yes, this is a this is I kind of completely agree with what Tarantino was saying about just this embodiment of just everything that could be cool, not just with the look and, and everything, not the action figure of it all, but just the demeanor and the personality. The wardrobe. And, and yes. And just how compelling that is to watch, how purely cinematic that is. Like by doing it in this way, you are playing like a visual cinematic character. Yeah. You read so much off of this guy just by the the vibe of it all. And I've always liked McQueen. I don't think there's a Steve McQueen performance that I dislike, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. I uh, The thing I love about this character is it's just a job for him. And oh, he's, yeah. And he's, it's not so much that he's indifferent. He's just laser focused. And I guess there's a difference, right? Like he, uh, when Tarantino says he he does a lot by doing nothing, it's not it, it it's not so much that he's doing nothing. It's just that it's a it's a um, it, uh, it's a it's not even a flat movie, but it's it, there's a consistency to the performance. There's a one noteness. Well, I don't even know. Okay, I guess. A, but it's deliberate. It, wor- yeah, it does kind of. I don't. Work. I don't mean it pejoratively. I no, guess. no, no, no. I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't say pejoratively either. But it's a. But it's a. It's a gear, no pun intended, that does kind of work a little better for this character. It's it wouldn't make a lot of sense if this character was super colorful, right? Like there are plenty of one note Gerard Butler cop performances, (laughs) you know. But like it's a compelling note, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah, right. Like that. That's the difference, I guess. Like 
like Gerard Butler looks totally indifferent. When, no, no, I don't think no, in don't, those straight to red box Mc, movies, whereas McQueen is at least is actively committing to this choice. He's not flat. That's the that's the big thing. I, right. I, like like Gerard Butler's like a flat character, one note idea. Layers like this thing, even though yeah, it doesn't. It, there's not a lot of variations on the emotional range of this character, but you're always fascinated with him. You're right in that he completely commits. Like I get, I I buy the character in a way that I certainly don't with Gerard Gerard Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really like the ending. Me too. A lot. It's very succinct, very no bullshit. That's it. We're done. We're done. Case closed. That's it. Next. Going home. Yes. What's going to happen tomorrow? And it's amazing, like, the, you know, the guy gets shot. Spoiler alert at the end. <laughs> Ross gets shot. And everybody at the airport's like, oh, the guy got shot. And then, like, 15 seconds later, they just carry about their business. Yeah. And, I mean, that is the perfect, just, like, you know, distillation um, of this world and the indifference that the public has to whatever corruption. Like, think about it. The entire movie, it's like, oh, this guy's testimony is going to, like, unravel the thread of society. It's going to expose <laughs> this organized crime underbelly. And, like, eh, at the end, it wasn't that important. Like, he dies, and then he's just another fucking body that, the, that you know, the morgue has to deal with. And, I mean, the way they play it at the beginning is horrifying. Like, where the assassination attempts is scary. Yes. It's really scary. And when it, when it happens, I mean, the first time it, it happened, I, like, jumped and was, like, like kind of break out into a cold sweat. Because just by the way it shot, the kind of dim lighting, and then the final... Pfft, the shotgun right. it's it's like a horror movie in that moment so it sort of exemplifies this idea that it is a big deal and this is this isn't just another witness you know this is this is earth shattering and then when we get to that ending point right. <laughs> to sort of reframe what that was all about right. it's like yeah it wasn't that important it, it was just another low-level criminal trying to make a buck yeah it's fucked up right and and then bullet goes home and then that's that's, <laughs> that's the movie and we're left with that and it's like oh like what a great metaphor for the indifference of movie audiences, too. Sure. I'm <laughs> just like, listen, you're going to go home and you ain't going to think about this that much. Like, this was just a thrill for you. It was a cheap thrill. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A lot of ways, yeah. It's a smart movie. It's a low-key smart movie. Yeah, smarter than it has any right to be. Could I summarize the plot? Absolutely not. Who cares? Uh, but man, I love the vibe. I love it, too. It's my, I think it's my favorite movie on the list. In this, I am in agreement with my colleagues. Although they tend to think that... Dominique is the truly disturbed one. I think they will find that Daniel, who is so sweet, so responsive, so normal, as opposed to her sister, can only be so because of her sister. 72. Brian De Palma directs a movie called Sisters. Stars Margot Kidder. Pre-Superman Margot Kidder. I know, yeah. Very weird. Jennifer Salt, um, who, by the way, Tarantino just ripped into in his book. I thought a bit unfairly. I thought he was a bit mean. He called the character stupid. I'm like, really? He read it. She read as stupid. Huh? Let's keep talking. I thought he was really picking on her for no reason. Uh, Charles mm. During, uh, a, a De Palma staple. <laughs> William Finley, also a, a De Palma staple. Uh, from uh, Phantom of the Paradise, if you remember, he was the titular yeah, Phantom, uh, and uh, Leslie Wilson, a small-time reporter, tries to convince the police she saw a murder in the apartment across from hers. This is a movie that I think is an overt, overt homage to Hitchcock. Some Very. might call it a ripoff of Hitchcock, 
There are there are rear window uh, elements to the first act. (laughs) There is definitely a psycho like twist at the halfway point uh, and also at the end. Uh, There's a dangerous cabal element that made me think of North by Northwest for some reason. I don't know why, but it kind of did. Little bit of that. Uh, there's uh, and then there's also like a a little bit of Jalo in there. Oh yeah, a lot of Jalo in there. Honestly, little bit of Polanski. Um, I saw a lot of uh, repulsion uh, occasionally. Totally. Um, I mean the the scene uh, uh, the, the scene after the murder is right out of rope. As well, yes. So there's a awesome. That's the best best thing about the movie to me. Yeah, he's and it's mostly in a single shot. Yeah. So it's uh, this is De Palma early in his career, looking to his inspirations and you know trying to remix them in a way that Tarantino often does. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah, happy for him. This movie didn't quite work for me. What'd you think? Didn't work for me either. Yeah, and I think Tarantino's right about that fucking God. What was her name? Uh, Jennifer Salt. Jennifer Salt. First of all, she sucks in the movie. Second of all, uh, one of the dumbest human beings I've ever seen in a fucking movie ever. <laughs> Holy shit, I couldn't stand this character. I didn't think that was fair. Oh my god, yeah, it's fair. No, it is fair. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, oh my god, we, we get the same reaction to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm lukewarm at best on the movie. It's not like none of it worked. Oh my god. There is one unbelievable scene. What? Involving the the split screen, uh, yes, that's in, in very impressive. I, it it I, might be my favorite use of. I mean, there are very few instances of great split screen in cinema, and most of them are in De Palma movies. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to do. <laughs> this to me is the perfect use of it. Yeah, that one was. It was interesting, and it, for the most part, I would say it, it worked quite well with the the dichotomy between those two ideas was fat, and the way they shift they shift sides. That was really clever. Yeah, I really like that. But uh, the movie's like one idea. It's kind of a short film extended for you know the entirety of the movie, um, and it would be tremendously better if that the Jennifer Salt if she was not cast. I mean. <laughs> It's it's just she ruins the movie. She ruined the movie for me. Wow. I, she was so bad, so completely miscast. I felt like almost all the conflict in the movie, aside from the murders and, and, and everything, like her involvement in the movie isn't completely her fault. The, the, the ending of the movie is mostly her fault. Yeah. So much of this, so much of what we see in the movie is because of this stupid character getting involved and in, in sticking her nose in places she shouldn't. Yeah. And she's an obnoxious character. She's this asshole. Up, she's an up her own ass journalist that is sure we're making a difference and I need to expose you people. And then she just yeah. ruins everyone's life. The journalism stuff isn't great. It sucks. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Like it, it is not a, a particularly incisive a portrayal of of ambitious journalism. No, yeah. Yeah. And the problem I kept having with it was like Tarantino even talks about this. Like on paper, it might have been a little more obvious that this was supposed to be played for last. But when you watch the movie, it's not immediately clear. And even when I see it, the execution, I can't quite tell if De Palma was trying to be somewhat progressive in criticizing journalism, which was a really radical idea at the time. I, but also, well, the anti-cop stuff, I think, in particular, is that I mean, the indifference of the cops after the crime that it's but that not, is an overt piece of social satire. But they're also not bad cops, and he mentions this in the chapter. It's like there's there's a little bit of you that thinks maybe she's just being an annoying prick. Yeah, they're not okay. not doing their job. 
there's a lot. It's very like the, the handling of the the, the, the social commentary is so muddled and just not properly ironed out. And I never was quite sure what the movie was talking about. And again, the, the, <laughs> there's just a lot of silly stuff with the the ending's so goofy to me. Too, I didn't didn't I under, yeah didn't understand how the fuck William Finley died. <laughs> so that was a little weird. Uh. She sliced him in the leg and. That killed him. So right. Uh, well, okay. I guess that. I mean, I'm <laughs> much it. more confused by the dream sequence before that. I think. Oh my god! <laughs> don't don't <laughs> yeah. get me started. I actually think the dream sequence is kind of it's weird and provocative. But. Yeah, I think it's it's not it's not uh, bad to look at. No. Uh, um. Yeah. I, it's. I'm not entirely sure what's happening in the moment, <laughs> but because it, it kind of it takes a twist that feels inevitable and and confuses you by revealing it. <laughs> Like I like I feel like I knew spoiler alert in the first 10 minutes of this movie that this was a person with split personality. Yes. Right? Yeah. And everybody who saw this Everybody movie, knew, everybody right? Everybody knew that cuz Psycho had come out. They they knew right. well, sure. They yeah. knew what was going to happen. Right. The and, second you hear her talking to her sister off screen, yes. it, like you you know. And I was just like what are we doing? So it's Why? Like they show you the end of the tr- it's like they pull the bunny out of the hat at the end and it's it's like dude like I saw the bunny in your coat. Yeah, I know you. See. And now that you mention it, why is the bunny a rooster now? <laughs> yeah, like it's not a. It, it 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 it. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a letdown of a reveal, but it's also not a good reveal. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't do the job of revealing. No, it's like the try, obvious thing. Well, it, it's it's like in case they already noticed it, let's confuse them more to the yeah. end. Yeah, right. There's a scene where they, you know, where he, uh, William Finley comes in and to to see Margot Kidder. What's her twin's name? Danielle. Yes. She's like, "Oh, my twin Danielle's here," and he's like, "Danielle's here." And then in retrospect, I was watching. I was like, "What the fuck were you talking about <laughs> <laughs> when you said that? <laughs> were you just indulging her, yeah. trying to make her feel good? I thought your entire point was to make her forget about this." <laughs> Uh, it's not right, that, and I'm not exactly sure like what his motive. Like, is he like molesting he, her? Like, what exactly is happening there? He wants her, but she can't be with him because every time she is with him, uh, Danielle comes comes out. out right. So he's trying to f- fuck her right <laughs> safely. <laughs> sure, I mean because you you hate that when you're in bed and all of a sudden your partner's alter ego pops up. Which even that I'm like what what is this saying like what's the is this a feminist idea here that I think it is around? no I think it's definitely there there's some like women's liberation stuff doesn't work not really no I mean like listen De Palma unlike Hitchcock has a lot of ideas that he's trying to pigeonhole into these stories yeah and he's a lot more transgressive and he's a lot more satirical like I think about the game show sequence at the beginning oh of my this, god the peeping Tom sequence like Very that is something. Hitchcock would never attempt and that's kind of the difference between De Palma and Hitchcock for me um you know there's a goofiness to all, a lot of De Palma movie, movies even as like serious ones that yes even something like Scarface there's a goofiness to what a, a lot of what he does right and so he's a pure entertainer in the Hitchcock sense and he's also a formalist a formalist yeah. yes but there is a there's kind of a punk undercurrent to all of his work right there's a there's an f you to the establishment where like hitchcock will will i think maybe poke and prod at human beings yeah and will look at like the souls of man and and find the sort of cynicism and do a good job at it yes but he's not going to overtly kind of 
look to deconstruct society in any meaningful way. Sure, sure. He might be a little uh, transgressive towards the people he's making the movie for. He did that frequently. Yes. So if he's being at all, at all like like if he's thumbing at the authority at all, then it would be that to, towards the very producers that allowed him to make right. the movie, and, and we're telling him what to do and what not to do. He he you know he he had a lot of issues with the Hayes Code, but he was also very good at fighting the Hayes Code, and mm. that's that's all that that's in a lot of his movies. Funny mm. enough, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, like. Yeah, it's not quite. It's a Hitchcock movie. All the beats are Hitchcock movies, but there is a there's a spirit underneath it that I don't know. Like I, I either want the movie to be weirder or I want it to be more formal. You know, it kind of exists in this. Weir- it's also just not my kind of movie, just to be frank. Like I, I'm just not really into seventies B horror movies with you know amputated twins and stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, it's but there's a there is definitely a. a a, a weird, uh, I don't know. It, like, there's a classiness to it in some respects, though. Even though it is very, maybe that just comes through with the formalism. But it, maybe it's the uh, Bernard Herman score. The Bernard Herman score is very good. Yes, it is very yeah. good. Yeah. So it's so it's it's again it's this weird muddled mix of elements that's fascinating. It's a weird. It's a it's a unique experience for me. Yeah. Um, it just never really coalesced into anything I could find my footing in. And I totally agree. Yeah. I, yeah. I. I, I liked moments and then I was infuriated by others. Uh, I knew exactly what was going to happen and the movie kept trying to insist that I didn't know what was going to happen. But by the end of it, I still knew what was going to happen. Right. I, so it's kind of a frustrating experience, but a uh, couple points yeah. from the book. Um, so Leslie Wilson is kind of in the Janet Lee role. Yes. In this movie, we, now that's an interesting bit of subversion and progressive storytelling. Right yes, there, yeah. Uh, I kind of agree with Tarantino when he says this. Despite Psycho's classic status, does anyone really miss Marion Crane once she exits the picture? I don't know. By comparison, Philip's death is heartbreaking. Ah, uh, I kind of see what he means there. There, I can't say I was heartbroken when he died. No, I mean but... Marion Crane is. I. I it's kind of an anti-hero in the first like half hour of of Psycho. Like, you know, she's having an affair with a married man, and yeah. then she steals a bag of money and runs away. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm not sure I ever sympathize with Marion, and when she's ultimately stabbed in a shower, like, I, like I I see that purely as like a thrill, as entertainment. Like, sure. I'm I never I'm not heartbroken by that. Here, I kind of am. Like, this poor guy was just lured into this. The psycho's uh, apartment well, and he didn't deserve what got to him because he didn't do anything him. wrong, really. Right? They even go out of his out of their way to say that he didn't do anything wrong, even in the game show of it all. You know? Right? Yeah. There's a sense of justice in Psycho, whereas here it's kind of yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's not fair. But I also didn't really get to know the character enough to feel that bad for him. Yeah, I don't care that he was putting a fucking name on a birthday cake. Hmm. <laughs> uh, don't you find it kind of ironic too, like? De Palma and Tarantino talks about this a lot in the book. Like, he's such an entertainer. He, he wants to he wants to make hits. He wants to make mainstream hits. He's making movies so people will see them. Yeah. He's very honest about that. Uh, and in the pursuit of that, he ends up kind of being the redheaded stepchild of the film brats. I know. And isn't that kind of weird that he kind of becomes the black sheep while he is chasing the thing that you know the other guys kind of stumble into naturally. Oh, well, 
I don't know. He didn't love movies the same way that those guys did. Right. It's his relationship towards movies is very, very different. Uh, he f- was an outsider that came in and didn't f- have the knowledge that maybe those guys did for like understanding like what a movie could be. It's, and that's the thing. Like I, I, I understand someone who would want to make just pure thrills, but if you come at it from the perspective of Hitchcock and nothing alone, yeah, you're gonna make some weird shit, especially if you're if you're a hippie growing up in that era that also likes Hitchcock movies. Yeah, yeah. You combine those two things. Yeah, obviously you have De Palma, but that's a weird mix that was not quite with the times in a weird way hmm. they're not quite with the zeitgeist of what people were asking for like and that's weird because his movies they kind of are that but they're also not that because he's made a lot of movies that did appeal to like the broader you know spectrum of like people's anxieties but even still he never quite breaks through in that way he seems to piss a lot of people off yeah there's always like a kind of there's an underground thing like even with phantom of the paradise right like that's a movie that he thought was going to make millions and millions of dollars and be like a, a hit musical with like a best-selling soundtrack. And that's a weird-ass cult movie Yeah, that like was always going to be embraced by the outsiders and the losers and, you know, was never going to be embraced by mainstream audiences. And it always felt like he was he he had he. He had a finger on the pulse of like what was going on in New York City. Yes. With the sort of like, you know, with uh, with the art movement and the, you know, all the stuff happening underground and in nightclubs. Uh, And he puts himself in these boxes. He puts himself in, you know, the gangster movie box or the, you know, action movie box or the paranoid thriller box. And like, I always want him to go weirder. Like it's always yeah. like you don't belong here. Like you belong doing Cassavetti's he, budget he th- movies. He thinks he does though. That's that's the 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 great frustration with him, and maybe why he's at the place where he is now. I think you know he had his pulse on that part of society, but maybe mistaked that for the mainstream, that art society. I mean, yeah. just look at Dionysus in '69. Oh my God, yeah, uh, that shit is not for anybody except for those people. Yeah. So yeah, it's like. So it's like, yeah, you're not going to make E.T., nor do I want you to make E.T. And then he's tried. He has tried. Right. He's done fine in certain parts, but also really, really, really poorly in others. Yeah. Right. I uh, mean, yeah, Bonfire of the Vanities being right, probably yeah. the, the biggest example. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's okay. I, by the way, I don't, I don't hate this movie. No, I don't hate it either. I think it's actually okay. Uh, one of my favorite fun facts. Yeah. So De Palma making this movie. He's dating Margot Kidder. Oh, yeah. And he's living with Jennifer Salt. <laughs> and he's like, hey, ladies, you want to be in my movie? Oh, boy. What a G. Wow. What a baller. That guy was with a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of babes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. How'd you pull that one off? That that guy was such a fucking Chad <laughs> back back in the day with those the original Chad. Oh my God, Brian De Palma just fucking everything in sight. <laughs> I found them. Who? The man who killed my son. I'll just get my gear. 1977, we'll jump ahead five years. A movie called Rolling Thunder. <laughs> Directed by John Flynn, written by Paul Schrader and Haywood Gould. Haywood Gould brought in for a rewrite. Paul Schrader disowns this movie. <laughs> yeah. Starring Willem Devane, Tommy Lee Jones, Linda Haynes, 
a recently returned Vietnam prisoner of war, loses his family and his right hand during a violent home invasion and seeks retribution against those responsible. Learn to love the rope, Adam. Learn to love the rope. Learn to love the rope. Learn to love the rope. Love the rope. I gather that you didn't like this movie. What? Yeah, it seems like you didn't like it. No, I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it too. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I'm not as enamored by it as Tarantino is. But He's really enamored by it. Yeah, yeah, his feelings on this were were it felt like me with Drive. Very similar kind of reaction to like my feelings on on Drive, where it's just like I love this movie more than anybody else around me. Yeah, uh, not even possible to like this movie as much as I like this movie. For sure. Uh and I came out of this, I was like, yeah, really good. Yeah, that was a solid, solid, really awesome movie with a lot of interesting insights and a perspective on this that I didn't expect with a lead that I certainly didn't expect. Uh, but it paints a, a, a different picture than like casting a De Niro. And it says something very interesting that a De Niro is not cast. Um, and I liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it was solid. Devane's really good in this. So here's the thing. It, it opens with like really corny coming home music mm-hmm. and it's like a, at a airport and these you know prisoners of war return after whatever 10 years and it's like this really like you know corny 70s like and you you're expecting john voight to walk out of the plane i i don't think like coming home is corny but um it it it, it is not signaling to you early on that this is going to be a dark revenge film no uh and he comes back and Willem Devane uh, is like, uh, uh, hey, son, uh, you don't remember me because you were like three when I left and now you're 13 or whatever. And uh, his wife has been cheating on him or whatever and is about to remarry. And, and uh, you know, it's this whole thing. Uh, and it's like, oh, this is getting kind of dark or whatever. This is pretty bleak. You know what it reminded me of was like the opening of Frenzy. It kind of lets makes you think you're in for a different movie than you actually are. Yes. And then it's like the second you 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 take one foot in it, you're like, oh, oh, we're gonna we're actually going here. Yeah. I don't want to be here. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, there's some stuff in here of like, uh, I I, I kind of see where this is going. I think, but I don't really get why Tarantino likes this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that 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 thing happens the home invasion happens and uh quite a turn let me tell you something it really worked on me really works whoa i did not expect that to happen yes that was rough it is effective it yep. is su- i mean it is truly two movies in one this thing traumatizing um, really honestly it is yeah i mean there's nothing yeah. kind of more traumatizing than that in a movie when you think you're watching one movie and then something horrible happens and it's like oh now i have to reassess everything that came before like i wasn't prepared for this and it's just a great setting for it too i mean i've been in that living room before we all right. have and it's just like it's just like there's nothing there's just nothing it's 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 not cinematic in a good way mm-hmm. it's just so plain yeah okay we're done here Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. For lack of a better term, it is invasive. Yeah. It's like... Incredibly. This can't happen in America's suburban living room. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really excellent. The garbage disposal shit is... I mean, it's <laughs> like... Amazing. Even though it was heavily censored, apparently, by the studio. Oh, it's going to be even bloodier? Yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be even bloodier. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing about... So, uh, Tarantino loves this. He named, like... Um, his uh, distribution company after this, Rolling Thunder Pictures. Um, he talks about it a lot. 
Uh, it's a movie that I, I just I'd heard a lot about just, mm-hmm. you know, through osmosis and following Tarantino, you know, for most of my life. Uh, but, you know, it, it was kind of a compromise of a movie like Schrader had a vision for this thing. And I think he wrote this script before Taxi Driver, although I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, but he had a vision for this thing that was a lot grittier, a lot more gritty, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, openly uh, combative with the idea of the military industrial complex and man's inhumanity towards man. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the final scene, which is kind of a moment of catharsis and revenge. Yeah. Is originally played as racist. Yeah, it's it's a uh, Devane going on a murder spree, just shooting a bunch of Mexicans, and like they sort of hint at his his biases and his racism throughout the whole thing, and what uh, you know war does to a person, yeah. and how it strips them of humanity, and it's and I and Tarantino actually put uh, in in the book, it's like uh, Schrader's savage critique of fascist revenge revenge matic flicks were turned by its makers into a savage fascist revenge matic, <laughs> so like you know he had this. You know, I, I think this pretty incisive commentary on post-Vietnam War America, and it became a revenge film. Yeah, I still like the revenge film though, kind of like Tarantino. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, you can make the argument that the other movie is much better, and maybe it is. It doesn't take away from how solid this one is. I mean, this one's still really, really, really effective and unsettling, and a, a lot of that works just because of like. You know how these characters are kind of stripped apart. More so with me, though. I'm, it's going to sound weird, but I was more disturbed by how the movie used the Tommy Lee Jones character. Oh yeah, he's, he's really good in this. He's great, but like he's just like a, a this pawn. He's just this robot for yeah. for our lead to use when he feels like he's like another gun. He has like no purpose other yeah, than right, just right, to right. be all right. Yeah, use me as your nuke when you when you need me. Bye. Yeah, that scene where he's like, "Hey, we're going to go kill the guys now." And he's, he's like, like, "All right, I'll get my stuff." Yeah, I'll get I'm my like, stuff. It's just so big, like, really? Right. Yeah, it's, so it, it does, like, cut to the bone really, really well in, in quite unexpected ways, very character-driven ways. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, I was pretty deeply moved by it. Now, I, 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 I do wonder what my experience would have been like if the lead was different, because even though he, uh, Devane's good in the movie, you know that doesn't leave like the greatest impression that Tarantino's describing. I wasn't like floored by that. I guy. think he's really good. He's really good, but I'm just like, I'm not saying you need a De Niro in the role, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He plays emptiness really well. He does. He does. And, and apparently it's there was a, so much more dialogue, so much more character dialogue. There was a whole monologue. Yeah. Like he said to his son about why he's sleeping in the shed. Oh yeah. Remember that? Yeah, and Tarantino yeah. put the whole thing in the book, the whole transcript. And it's like, that's from this movie like you can't even imagine this character saying those words and that apparently was all Devane he's like listen I, I should be a silent yeah. killer in this yeah and just his his look does does make for an interesting type of you know anti-hero it's like I've never quite seen a movie go in in that direction and be so kind of honest with like what its character would be because you know as much as I adore Travis Bickle and I like Travis Bickle more than this character but you know you know it's hard not to you know you know be a little doughy eyed over <laughs> Robert De Niro <laughs> to some degree. Maybe not so much when he wears the mohawk, but I like Travis Pickle. I like Travis Pickle a lot. I like him. I do. Is that controversial? No. I mean, you know, he he's a he's a he goes on a murder spree at the end of the movie, but I don't know. I kind of like him. Yeah, yeah, of course. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. He was supposed to be in this movie. Did you know that? 
Yes. Yes, I did. So in, in Schrader's original screenplay, Janet tries to have sex with Charlie. Charlie is Devane's character. He refuses for a myriad of reasons and leaves the house. He gets into his big red Cadillac and drives to a Texas drive-in that's showing Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. As he watches Linda Lovelace in the pornographic film, he looks to the man in the car next to him. It's Travis Bickle. Yep. And the two antiheroes were meant to share that moment. As the writer puts it, two fuses slowly burning down. The Schrader extended cinematic universe is something I would like to see. That's a great idea. That would have been an amazing fucking scene. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> what a great little like flourish of poetry right there. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. I wish it was in the movie. I wish that D- Tarantino said it too. Like that that just at the very end, do like little things like that original script probably would have been amazing if they shot it. Like the detail of them speaking uh, uh, Vietnamese to each other during the shootout. <laughs> That's a awesome fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Is that a great idea? Uh, yeah, Tarantino said it's the best combination of character study and action film ever made. Is that true? I would need to think about that. When he said that, I thought that was a little extreme. Maybe he's right. I hadn't really considered it. I I don't know. The Kurosawa movies, I guess, would be the first thing you go to. Sure. Any of the samurai films. Mm -hmm. I don't know, though. It is a... It's a more like familiar, like we, we, you and I get this probably more than we would like a, a samurai movie and the cultural barriers with that. I can't really judge that. That's Taxi a, Driver is not an action film. No. Um, I guess like something like the Limey or other, you know, revenge movies in that vein kind of do what this movie is doing. The sort of like, you know, emptiness behind the eyes and the kind of the sadness of having to carry out justice for your family. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to fucking get a gun and do this now. Because like he really doesn't have much affection for his his wife. No. Or or his son, to be honest with you. Like he feels a sense of responsibility over them. But like. Yeah. But that's all gone. I don't think there's a tear ever shed. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like this thing like Blue Ruin, the um, the um, the Mason Blair. uh uh, Jeremy Sonia is the director of that film. Uh, that's another movie where it's like the character, it he's just he's dead behind the eyes. Yeah, like he's like, why am I doing this exactly anyway? I'm doing this because revenge movies tell me I have to do this, basically. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really pay off. No, not really. No, not really. this one does pay off, kind of. Yeah, weirdly, I don't know. It's an interesting ending. He Tarantino loved the ending. Yeah, I thought it was a. Uh, is a choice. It was a little abrupt, but like I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I, and the other thing, like again, most of this does work. It's a, it's a it's a strangely effective, chilling movie most of the time with a with an inter- again a very interesting lead performance. That's that does work. I, I don't want to take away Devane's uh, ability. He is quite good. Um, what did you think of the the woman though? Because Tarantino was quite glowing about her, and I didn't get that. I was like, I thought she was okay, was, but he was like, this is the best performance in a movie like this of the 70s all right all right, all right. <laughs> jinx right. oh my god uh, and i was like no <laughs> no she's not but okay I, I mean she's fine but like i think some classic qt hyperbole yeah that's all yeah that was it's okay i mean he's a he's a madman yes i make no apologies <laughs> Eat these seeds, eat these seeds, put them in your stomach, chew them up, chew them up, chew up. Bella Bella, eat, Bella Bella, eat. I gotta go to work, gotta go to work, I can't be late. 
Be a good girl and eat these seeds. Hurry, hurry. Farrah Jaka, Farrah Jaka. Wake up, Bella. Wake up, Bella. Eat, eat, hey. eat, eat. What? You gotta start off every morning by crooning to that little lice bag boy. Well, she likes music in the morning. Yeah. And buy the bummer radio! <laughs> Paradise. <laughs> We're here. Alley. Written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Starring Sylvester Stallone. Lee Canalito and Armand Asante. A young Tom Waits also in there as well. Yeah, popped up. That was cool. Three Italian-American brothers living in the slums of 1940s New York City try to help each other with one's wrestling career using one brother's promotional skills and another brother's con artist tactics to thwart a sleazy manager. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Adam Hall. What? (laughs) The debate rages on, has raged on for many years between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Mm. Who is the definitive action star of the 80s? The ripped action figure, uh, you know, uh, 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 Adonis of that era. Shouldn't Okay. See, I know, I know where you lie on this, but shouldn't a movie like this, mm. where where this is clearly where Sylvester Stallone's heart is is really at? Yes, shouldn't this be proof that he's not? He's actually something else. That's what that's what I that's what I came away with it for. Uh, I think it's okay that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the definitive action '80s star. To me, Sylvester Stallone is almost doing something else. Well, okay. Well, I don't know. They were okay, maybe. Maybe, but I think in in either case, like Stallone was a, I mean, he was Cobra, right? Like he was fucking, he was Rambo. Yes. Like he he did do the action roles. Yes, I know. But he also did other stuff. He did other stuff. Certainly did. He did. All right. The scene at the beginning, the, the opening of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Should we just set the scene for people that haven't seen this? This is his directorial debut, by the way. Okay, Stallone did Rocky. The studio was like, holy shit, Rocky's the biggest thing ever. <laughs> this is such a fascinating It's like movie. the greatest thing of all time. What else you got? And he's like, <laughs> well, I have this script that I've been trying to make with Henry Winkler for years. No one wanted to do it. Uh, it's about a wrestler. They're like, ah, wrestler's close to boxer. Sure. Yep. You want to direct it? Fine. You were printing money with, with Balboa, uh, you know, merchandise. Sure. And so uh, he makes this movie about a wrestler, kind of. It's not really about a wrestler, but it ends with a wrestling scene close enough. But getting out of this shit. Sure is. Hell yeah, dude. So the, the movie begins and, and uh, Stallone is uh, like a con man. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a contest. If you reach the end of the, uh, of the rooftops, we're going to race across the rooftops, leaping between buildings. And if you reach the end first, there's a crisp $5 bill waiting on the other side. And he's like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll fucking, uh, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, and they're off and they start r- running and Stallone is racing this fucking dude and they're jumping over rooftops and shit. And <laughs> it's all in slow motion. It goes on forever. It's all, sl- there's not a Four. single that, that moves in the way that time moves. It's, it's like, all slow. Every time they make a jump, it's a new title card. Every time they make another <laughs> jump, it's a. This is the longest rooftop I've ever seen in my life. 
So they're running, and you might be asking yourselves, listeners, well, what music is playing underneath <laughs> this? This is the best. <laughs> what could possibly, and, and you will be pleased to find out that Bill Conti, the composer of Gonna Fly Now from Rocky, well, he's back, reunited with Stallone, doing more inspirational sports movie music. <laughs> Tell me more. I don't think I've ever heard this Bill Conti score. Well, I'll tell you why. Because not only is there Bill Conti instrumentation, there's also vocal, a lead vocal, a song called Too Close to Paradise. And the vocalist, wouldn't you know it, won Sylvester Stallone, Adam Hall. Yep. The difference is too hard to tell But in deep pockets An old one else They say you feel them back This is why he's better than Arnold. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is why. He does this kind of shit. Arnold would never. No. He would never. No, 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 no. He no, would no. never think to do something like this. No. And Stallone is doing it in his first movie. First movie. It's, it's cr- and this is going to sound crazy to say, but not even Arnold has this level of vanity. <laughs> no. Oh, and I know. <laughs> exactly. Wow, what a movie. I mean, I mean, I was just in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in from, <laughs> from that moment. As soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I kind of couldn't believe it either. <laughs> it is, it's astounding that at this point in his career, he had the balls to do this. It is. It, it's God, what a movie. Cosmo, dude. Cos- Fucking Cosmo. What a character. Cosmo. <laughs> it is... It's one of the most amazing vanity projects I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. Um, I I liked the movie. Oh, how can <laughs> I did you not. I did. How it's, can you not? It's a total mess. A but complete mess. Complete and utter mess. A train wreck. <laughs> Half the stuff doesn't work. A travesty of moving uh, picture. <laughs> Loved every second. But as a hangout Hell's Kitchen vibe, just the best. trying to get by, man. It's the best, dude. With like, monk- we never got nothing. <laughs> just such. I've seen this scene from you, Rocky. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Cosmo. Like I see you right through the bullshit. Yeah, the entire way through. It's never. It's never 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 lost on me i see it exactly what stallone's doing yeah it's like it's god it's like more hollywood bullshit than any hollywood bullshit movie i've ever seen oh bit dude I, the wrestling scene at the end it, it's a leaky ceiling so there's water and there's lightning strikes in the ring yep lightning strikes during the final wrestling match <laughs> it's the best I, I don't know what's going on but <laughs> but what a fight what what a <laughs> That is, it's it's a it's a done deal. <laughs> the most fascinating thing about it is that you there comes a point where it's like you know he's going to win. The bo- yeah, of course. Uh, but the movie just goes for like five more minutes of him just look at how great it is that he's accomplished this. So let's watch it for five minutes of him flipping this guy into the puddle of water. Yeah, but it's really well shot, though. It is really well. It's directed. really well directed. It's not a bad. Yeah, no, no. I, I agree. Yeah. The direction's pretty solid yeah, it's it one is. of the better directed stallone movies i've ever seen the guy knows the shot yeah yeah I, yeah i agree yeah. yeah the production's fantastic yeah the performances range from horrible to amazing i guess totally <laughs> strong emphasis on i guess completely agree <laughs> 
but God, like I, I liked being there with these characters. I kind of enjoyed their. <coughs> Excuse oh, well, me. They, you're choking. You're choking on all the Stallone excess. Oh, I love the movie so much. A <laughs> 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 great movie. <laughs> um, you done? I think so. Okay. But like, yeah, it was just I, I, I just kind of dug the vibe and the place and the way it, it, it pummeled through. Just these, I, I, I don't know. It was just. <sighs> It's it's kind of weird because I shouldn't like it as much as I do because it's like th- these characters are going through a lot of shit. But no matter what happens, there's still this weird aura of everything's going to be OK. I mean, it is a PG movie. Yeah. So, yeah, there like there's a gangster. Well, he's not really a gangster, but he's like the head of a of a of a group of ne'er-do-wells named Stitch. Yeah. And he's like a villain like in another movie who you might think that might kill somebody, but I'm never intimidated by the guy though. No, and to the point where like at the end of the movie they pull down his pants and he's wearing women's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what movie? Yeah, is I, this? I thought the same thing. It's like that's not the same movie, Stallone. Yeah, I find this movie very funny. Yeah, it is funny. It's very and I'm not even sure it's intentionally funny all the time. But the no. shit with the monkey what the hell's with the monkey? It's Why? hysterical. When he has the monkey tied up. Why? And he's like, you're going to go to work for me today? That's amazing. <laughs> Why the fuck is there a subplot involving a monkey that's disposed of? Yeah. When uh, when Vic, I, I don't know the actor's name, but Victor, the, the wrestler brother, is uh, he's singing to the bird. That's great stuff. It's so good. And it's like it's like Paulie's robot shit. Come you know, and like, eat. Come and eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time to eat. Time to eat. Time to eat. <laughs> he keeps singing it. Stallone. <laughs> Stallone is trying to kill the cockroach, oh my and he slams the bed. It's so good. <laughs> oh man, the, the tonal imbalance of this movie from scene yeah. by scene is so fun. It's not like dramatically out of whack, but like there are like three different types of movies happening yes. in here. Because one of them's rocky, another one is a little more light on its feet and, and cheery and fun, and then the other is like a really tragic, sad, d- depressing movie. Right. Especially with the older brother who's got a yeah, limp. Yeah, a character <laughs> commits suicide in this. I know. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, Judge Dredd reunion, the villain in Judge Dredd and, and Stallone. Hell yeah. Great stuff. That's good stuff. Mm, I love it. <laughs> I uh, talk about another bad thing. Um, uh, the, the the character shift between the, the 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 flopping of Stallone's character and his older brother. It just it's like what? It just doesn't work. None of it works. You, the script is a mess. No question. Yeah, the script. The script's the, the worst. It's not like like I didn't like hate all the dialogue, right? I didn't take all, all the characterization of, of it all. And you know, it's the motivation for the most part makes sense to me. And you know, it's you know, if you watch it, it's just a hangout movie. It, it works in its own way. But even then, it's just like what? Why are we here? now what does this serve and then it's like oh it didn't serve anything yeah. <laughs> there's just there's a yeah it's a messy 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 script yeah uh but again like I, I just find i find some of these things so fucking funny and it's like <laughs> like n- no one other than stallone you know would put something like this in a movie like so much of these things it's like Especially if you're a first-time director. like we, t- we talk about this a lot. Like When actors make the transition to directing for the first time, it's often very buttoned up. You know, There's not a lot of like big swings in first-time yeah, movies because directors are trying to find their footing and prove that they can do it so people will pay them to make more movies. So the audacity of this movie. I mean, like, I, just, you know, no one, like, no one would have the, the taste, 
You know, no one would be this brash. Like, no one would attempt something like this. Like, they would have the sense to to take it out on a rewrite. And <laughs> the relationship between him and the prostitute and giving him oh Christmas God, presents. Yeah. yeah, it's just like <laughs> no. Even like the the Asian woman, that that girlfriend, that doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's no, kind of just thrown just... in there. It's all these elements of, and you can tell it's a, it's the first script Stallone ever wrote because he's taking all of this stuff he grew up watching in movies, and he's like, oh, that. Throw that over there and throw the obligatory romance there and throw the fight sequence here. And it works so well. It's broken in all the right ways, though. Like, yes, it's totally it's it's, that's the thing about it. It's like even though like this, even though this piece you just showed me really doesn't work narratively and it's totally doesn't make any sense next to the scene that came before and after for that matter. Mm. uh, God, like like it's just it's also what makes the movie so endearing. I. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed it got made. I'm amazed that it's he amazing. was allowed to do it. It's amazing he got another. Like they let him do Rocky two after this. Oh, yeah. How? Like how did they let him do Rocky two? I have no idea. This thing got killed by critics. Didn't do particularly well at the box office, and they're just like, yeah, here's the keys to one of the biggest franchises going right now. Paul and Kale's review of this movie just ugh. yeah, ugh. yeah. I know. Get a life, woman. Fucking hell. Yeah, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's like imagine like. Uh, like I'm trying to think of an example. It's like if if Robert Downey Jr. after Iron Man made a movie like this, mm. and then they let him do the rest of the Avengers movies, yeah, they let him direct the rest of the event. Like, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's not a Book of Henry. It's not like this this, this disaster. No, it's fucking awesome. It's, it's not awesome. Book of, Book of Henry sucks. No, but that's what I mean. <laughs> like, like, rules. We're not. We're, <laughs> we're sort of painting it like this. It's this massive career ender. It's there's there's too much talent on display here for that to to be the case yeah um but given i mean <laughs> given his stature in the industry at the time though that is kind of fascinating that he was able to get back on the horse as quickly as he did i'll say that yeah people just loved him though like I, they responded to him i don't know they they, they love rocky too much to let him die so uh that is true and rocky is sick in yes. the creed movies it is rocky's sick When's the third one coming out? Next Please year. It is. Okay. In the spring. Hmm. Michael B. Jordan directs. So here we go. <laughs> doing this again. Yeah, we're doing it again. <laughs> God, it's like the, it's like Creed has become the new Scream series. It's so meta. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not interested in it without Rocky. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not really interested in it either. I, I love Michael B. Jordan's performances in both those movies. I like Tessa Thompson a lot. Me Jonathan too. Majors is playing the villain in this. That sounds fun. But I don't know. You need Rocky. It's Rocky. What are we doing here? Yeah. Like we're going to play Gonna Fly now and he's not going to be there? He's just going to go to he's he's going to go to the <laughs> he's going to go to his grave cuz Rocky's got to be dead in this. He's got to be dead at this point, right? That would make me very upset. <sighs> Stallone is not happy by the way. Yeah, something but yeah, some yeah, something He's very that, mad that they're making this without him. Yeah, the script is uh yeah, silly. It's not. I mean, it's even though it is transitioned into Michael B. Jordan's story. There's a just the fact that Rocky is in those other movies. You know, it's never never quite leaves Rocky. Oh, like, Creed is Rocky's movie. Yeah, yes. yeah, the first yeah. one that is all Rocky. What are you kidding me? Yeah, Creed Creed is part of the legacy of Rocky. That's the whole point. That's just, yeah. Creed's great. I love Creed. Now it's amazing. Like, you know, that's it's a Coogler movie. And like, you know, up and coming director had just won whatever, whatever awards he won for Fruitvale Station. And Michael B. Jordan, this ascending movie star, 
awesome young performer. And we watched that movie and we come out of it and we're like, you know what? Stallone still got it. <laughs> like he was somehow the revelation of that movie. It's his best performance. You know? It, it is his best performance. Like it's amazing. Like it's crazy that that happened. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that that was the takeaway because everyone went into it being like, oh God, we're really, we're taking this old clunker around the block I mean, one more he time. He won a Golden Globe. I know. Should have won the Oscar. Should, yes, I Came agree. This close. Fucking Mark Rylance. Came, oh, let's, He's good in that movie. Let's, hang on now. Let's not. I don't want to. Let's not bash Mark Rylance. At, uh, you know, Mark Rylance has the same at, character in every fucking movie. That's Stallone's expense here. He He's, plays the same character in every movie. I agree with you. I think it's a travesty. It it upset me greatly when that happened. But yes. Mark Rylance is great in Bridge of Spies. He is great in Bridge of and Spies. And that is a great movie. Yes. But I need Mark Rylance to branch out a little bit. Uh, we talked about this already, but the, the Tarantino chapter is uh, just all um, over the place. Like, much like the movie, quite quite a mess. <laughs> As I said, he, there, there was this film series in the 60s called The East Side Kids, and uh, he explains like the origins of that franchise and all of the different iterations and groups that branched off from it. Uh, he goes into why he thinks Rocky Two is better than the original. Oh my god! Uh, he, it's 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 just classic stuff. He he goes into like Winkler's early career and he talks about like fifties nostalgia in the seventies, and that was interesting for me because I'm like, oh wow, this idea of nostalgia was all like with Happy Days and stuff was always there. People were always, you know, looking back at an, an older era with rose colored glasses. Reminded me a lot of what's happening with like eighties and nineties nostalgia now. Yeah. Um. It's so that that shit's really good. There's not much actually about the movie. No, <laughs> but, um, it's a it's a it's a mess, but it's fun to listen to. It is. It is because there comes a point where anyone reading it will be like, "When's he going to talk about the fucking movie?" <laughs> I love this so much. I loved it. I loved it. Loved everything about it. I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it too. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Honestly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a great movie. No. Uh, but it also is a great movie. <laughs> yeah, this America guy. <laughs> it's so American. Yeah, like I feel that way. Like, I, I, like you know, when when Springsteen puts out a bad album, or like there's a bad song, and I listen to a bad Springsteen song, and I'm like, well, I don't not like this. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this is America. This is for as imperfect as it is. Like, you know, this is the vibe that I like. <laughs> In a You're thing. Such a frat boy. <laughs> it's fucking Rocky, dude. You're so close to being a frat boy. It is fucking Rocky. You're so close to it. It's so funny. It's so funny. Like in another life, Nico is just the biggest chud I've ever seen. Just pounding keggers. You weigh like two two thirty and you're fucking ripped and you're just banging bitches left and right. <laughs> There's a version of me that exists in a parallel universe where I got action in high school. And that's, I mean, that was really the inflection point. Like it could have went one of two ways, you know, that's the, and now I ended up as a podcaster, but there was, uh, there's a path. There's a couple moments, butterfly effect, you know, and you just, you replay it. You're like, oh man, could have went a whole other way. Nico, you, <laughs> but I'm glad I ended up on this side with all of you losers, you know? You, re- you read The Road Less Traveled and you said, I'm not going to get action in high school. I'm going to become a podcaster. 
Right. For the record, I didn't get much action in high school and, either. Uh, I, yeah, but I, I became I became the thinking man's jock, you know? I see, I see. I became the thinking man's meathead. I like to be one with the people. Yeah. You've escaped from quite a few prisons, haven't you? That's why you're here. Alcatraz was built to keep all the rotten eggs in one basket. I was specially chosen to make sure that the stink from the basket does not escape. Since I've been warden, a few people have tried to escape. Uh, Most of them have been recaptured. Those that haven't have been killed or drowned in the bay. No one has ever escaped from Alcatraz. Here's a movie that fucking rips. Here's oh, the, here we go. Uh, Don Siegel directs 1979's Escape from Alcatraz, starring Clint Eastwood, Patrick McDugan, McGugan, <laughs> McGugan, and Fred Ward. <laughs> Alcatraz is the most secure prison of its time. It is believed that no one can ever escape from it until three daring men make a possibly successful attempt at escaping from one of the most infamous prisons in the world. Mm -hmm. One of the first movies not of the 2000s and not animated and not aimed at children that I ever watched. I watched this thing really young. Ooh. Uh, I had not, for some reason, watched it in its entirety in many years. I remember catching it a lot on TV because my dad loved it Mm. and I would watch it a lot with him. Uh, I was shocked, even like the limited times that I had seen it, how much of it was burned into my brain. Same experience. And I I watched it again uh, just last night because I feel "Eh, I kind of need a refresher. Like I I might be a little hazy on the details. No, I wasn't hazy on any of the details. I, I thought the exact same thing. Seriously, yeah. in the early 2000s, same kind of thing. I was way too young to have seen it, but I saw it anyway. Yeah, me too. Thought I definitely had forgotten a lot about it, so I rewatched it again. Nope, I remember it pretty well. Pretty the close. fingers, exactly the same. The mouse, exactly the same. Uh, the, 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 the murder attempts in the park, or the, the courtyard, rather. Totally. Yeah. Uh, the, the fucking shower scene, yeah. Uh, the, the shower scene, the, the specifics of the escape, the boat. Yeah, oh my God. Uh, the, uh, you know, the paper mache on the grate. The, the ending. The ending. The, yeah, the ending. The, the nail clipper. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And I even remember the pan to... The sheet where it says high IQ. I remembered everything about it. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the heart attack in the cafeteria. Like yeah. all of that shit. Um, which I mean, that's got to be the sign of a good movie, right? Yeah. If it sticks with you like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, movie rules. It's so good. It's really good. It's we've, so good. We've teased this movie a few times on this pod. Never nominated. Never nominated it. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it on rewatch. I was like, yep, I still love this movie. Talk about just a movie about doing the thing. Totally. You know, you're talking about Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the whole movie. Right. The whole movie is just how do we do the thing? Right. And they do it. And that's it. The impossible thing. And it's fucking great. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just brilliant little moments. And like, they do a little bit of Hollywood bullshit, but not much. I mean, obviously, the warden character is not a real character. And Tarantino points this out in the in the the book. The fight he gets in the showers, like, yeah, it's very like little contrived. Yeah. Well, he also pointed out in the book, like, this is the last time a prison movie wasn't specifically about the power dynamics and the sort of like 
the rape stuff and the like mm-hmm. you know men's dominance of of uh, of men and their their need to assert their dominance uh, it's the last time a prison movie didn't overtly focus on that there is some of that stuff in there but it's mostly you're right it's it's the great escape it's just how do we do this yes except it's like nail biting and scary like really scary particularly with that score which is phenomenal it's one of my favorite scores on this list yes and just yeah there's a there's a sense of dread in this movie that i that's really unexpected but it, it paints the picture of alcatraz quite beautifully mm-hmm. and, and it's a very very haunting way and the lack of 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 certain cues is really interesting particularly at the end it's just i don't know it's a grimy feel that i really 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 love <laughs> i don't know it but but again maybe that's important and you know if you contrast that with something like shawshank redemption which i also adore but you know like like the there is a niceness to that oh, yeah, to of that course. of course yeah. and this doesn't have any of that this th- th- i will say this this is a this is a movie you know Despite the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's classic, like there's some even lighting here and there and it's not like doing anything crazy, crazy uh, fancy with the camera sometimes. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but, uh, geez Louise, does it just paint a setting like nothing else? Mm-hmm. Love it. The opening. Mm. It just, it's perfectly establishes the kind of movie that you're in, uh, all silent basically slaps you in the face with the directness i thought yes that's the thing that on rewatch i was like oh my god they just like there's a certain lack of style that's mm-hmm. startling in a mm-hmm. good in a it, very very intentional but like to yeah. be stripped like that literally in this case yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they strip clint eastwood naked yeah and make him walk you know down a prison barefoot and you hear the the sounds of the feet just mm-hmm. on the concrete I mean, just what a perfect way to start a movie. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, exactly like this is this is the movie that you're in for. Buckle up. It's going to be kind of uncompromising. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, like it's not like overly gory. Like and it's it, it doesn't really hold a candle to like modern prison movies in terms of, you know, it, it's it's not Midnight Express. You know what I mean? But it, it's not Midnight Express. It's not shame. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously it's not like that. But, um, you know, it's pretty gnarly for like an eight year old. Oh my god! No, I'll never forget the the fingers ever. That's one of those. Never. Holy! It's shit. exactly as I remember. I could have yes, sketched that yes, scene. Yes, yes, yes. I could have ske- exactly like the cut and how the fingers kind of fly off and yep. the fact that it's not all the. I remember that it wasn't all the fingers. Yes, that was the other. With the fact that it, the the lack of symmetry there, how fucking weird and wrong it is. Totally. Ah, but it's so gnarly. It's worked so well. You feel it when he does it. I. That's 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 one of the most disturbing things I've seen. You know, that's a paper cut moment for me. Yeah, it's a, fuck that. Yeah, it's a, but it, the old man in Home Alone. For Christ's sake, it's just sad. I love that old man. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's burned into my brain. Yeah, it's really it's fucking dark. Yeah, I mean, when he takes the paintings away from him. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny rewatching it now. Paintings, all I had. I remember that. I was like, oh my god. There's such there's such a sense of dread. Like sometimes, like if you go long enough between movies. You'll remember the broad strokes, but you won't remember specifically the experience of watching it. So you'll expect something to happen, but a part of you hopes that it won't. Yeah. Because you've gotten far enough away from the movie that maybe you've misremembered the details a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there was inevitability to the fingers went once the warden took his art away from him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I'm like, oh God, please don't go this way. Please don't but go it, this way. And they do. It was like, it was reliving the traumatic experience all over again. Yeah, I kind of, it's strange. Almost every time I watch Alien, I get a similar 
kind of experience yeah enough yeah yeah like yeah. how exactly does this play out i'm not really oh yeah shit yeah it does mm-hmm. he does in fact cut his fingers off I, yep i did not incept that into my memory i'm trying to think of the last time that happened with me with a specific movie i hadn't seen in ages oh god i had maybe it was this movie yeah honestly yeah that was a big like yeah geez louise like this movie doesn't give a crap yep um tarantino in the book and i think this is one of the great skills of his as like a as a uh, as an ombudsman of cinema like he's great at narrativizing people's careers <laughs> he's really good at that he loves doing that sometimes yeah. he goes a little overboard with it but like he's a cataloger and he, he even says it in the in the book yes he does a really good job of like portraying these people um you know as heroes in a in a movie about movies you know like yeah he talks about what's happening with mcqueen around the time of bullet and he's talking about stallone around the time of rocky and he, you know, he's talking about De Palma or whatever and like like there there's a hero's arc to their careers almost mm. and he presents the adversity or, or what they might have been happening or what am I, what might have been happening in their heads as they were doing all of this stuff and it's very uh it's very epic yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's very epic in how he presents these stories and like he does an excellent job here talking about don siegel sure yeah. um and that, that's actually what i loved about his his chapter the most here like he talks about how siegel had kind of you know, become this washed up B movie director. He was doing, you know, Charles Bronson movies and you could tell that his heart really wasn't in it. And then he reunites with Eastwood one last time. And that's that. And that, and this was the last time they worked together. And they had, of course had made some of the great movies ever together. And, um, they sort of brought out the best in each other. That's interesting. And I just, I, I fucking, that, that's what I, that's what I loved about this book so much. I think like, well, he's not because he, he understands I'm not just, you know, I'm not just writing an, a Wikipedia article. I'm not right. just making the bullet points. I have to tell the story because there is a story here. Yes. And I, I did feel that all the way through. There was there was this great sense of like a, a, a journey. It was more than just the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the movie is sort of an end point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. It's like, uh, you know, like, and I'm not even sure that the people in the moment thought of what they were doing as anything more than a career. But it means so much more to Tarantino as a fan. Well, wh- you know? why and so, wouldn't it though? That's the thing, right? Yeah, with with what with how those shaped him, it has to be. Yeah, right. Um, so that stuff is really good. Uh, what a fucking baller ass movie. This the ending movie. is great. The ending is so good. Jesus Christ, the ending's so good. Leia. It's one of those. And I remember as a kid, maybe not like totally responding to it, just because of the vagueness of it. I remember it. Not not. I wasn't frustrated by it, but it kind of like. There's something about the mood of it that just upset me as a kid. Yeah, you know, I don't think I would. I hated, liked it, or disliked I'm it. Like, just, really, we're not going to find out. Yeah, it just kind of made me sad in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, they. Uh, there was uh, an episode of MythBusters. Remember that show? Uh yes, yes, I do. One of my favorite shows growing up, Discovery Channel, and they tested the theory of could the Alcatraz um, escapees have actually gotten to Angel Island and gotten away? And they concluded no, they would probably have died in the water. And that upset me because I wanted to hope that they had uh, they had made it out. We don't know though. We don't know. I mean, there's. I mean, you can you can research this. There's a lot of conflicting opinions on it. And a lot of people who claim they saw the people afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like footsteps in the sand or something. Like there was a, a theory a couple of years ago that came out because mm-hmm. apparently there was new information that maybe that there was some evidence of something on one of the islands. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? 
Fucking awesome movie. Awesome movie, yeah. I want to put it in. Hmm. It's my favorite. It's a great movie. I guess I'm okay with Bullet. It seems like we're between Bullet and Escape from Alcatraz, but... Yeah, yeah we are. Uh, uh, Bullet's es- my favorite. Um, Escape from Alcatraz is the one ooh. that... I, okay, maybe it's not as important no. to film history and... Maybe it doesn't showcase all you can do cinematically. But I just fucking love it, dude. Maybe we, well, I, I'm, I'm always very strategic about how we induct these things because I'm like, okay, if we don't induct this one, is there a way we can get the other one in somehow? <laughs> Which shouldn't really be the point, but I, I, I can't help myself. Uh, you could do one for both, though, in the sense that you um, do prison movie for, for this one, Escape from Alcatraz, or you could do Steve McQueen podcast for bullet and he would that would probably be the one i ain't putting bullet in over great escape though really no whoa oh i very much disagree with that but then that's a conversation isn't it you love oh i love the great escape too don't get me wrong but really that's i didn't yeah i don't think i am damn damn i love that movie yeah i love that movie too Ooh. okay that's a tough one i'm gonna say bullet maybe uh, i don't know this is a tough one for me because I love these movies, you know. And then if we do a prison movie pod, what do you, what do you put? Do you just automatically put this in? Because we there's a conversation still to be had for Shawshank and maybe Shame, but is not, Shawshank not, not in yet? Not Shame. Jeez, what the fuck am I talking about? Hunger, Hunger, yes. Hunger. Holy yeah, shit, yeah. The other Steve McQueen movie, yeah. Actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. There's an argument to be had for uh, Twelve Years a Slave, you know, prison movie. Wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Uh, no, Shawshank is not in. By the way, I, I'm cool with Bullet. That's fine. Are you? You're okay with that? Yeah, I, I have a veto, right? You do have a veto. Oh, I'm holding on to that sucker as yeah. long as I can, because <laughs> I held on to mine for oh, like a year. But the veto button is here, by the way. <laughs> Whenever we need it. Yeah, we got we yeah, we got that special veto button. So, um, Bullet. Yeah, I'm I'm good with Bullet. I would love Bullet to be in. Yeah. For, okay. Yeah. Good. Bullet. Spielberg working on a remake. A bullet? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Apparently that's the next project. Really? Yeah. All right, all right, cool. I'm sure that will be pretty good. Spielberg is on a roll. On a roll. So on a tear. He's on a fucking roll right now, baby. Love to see it. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's a podcast. Uh, we're done. Uh, just to peel back the curtain a bit. Oh, my God. Adam and I have been sitting here for a while. My ass hurts. We just did three podcasts in a row. Yeah. And I uh, hope you enjoyed them all. You better have. You better have, because yeah. we busted our asses to get these out to you. <laughs> I hope to see a flood of comments in the Discord. That show sucked. <laughs> Next <laughs> week, or should I say two weeks from now, it will be the end of the year. Yes. We will get together, and we're going to do it. Our top 10 movies of 2022. Some surprises along the way, maybe. Maybe. Excited? Yeah. Nico's not revealing what those surprises are. He's sure to death that he, he needs to keep this stuff secret from me. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, just to let you know, if you're interested in this sort of thing, I'm working on a lot of end of year content for the YouTube channel and for the website. I'll have a big blog post of uh, of actually all the movies uh, in in the uh, in the 2022 list. I will actually expand it all the way to a top 50 in written form, and you can read all about it on there. It's kind of stressing me out. You do this all the time. I do, but you can see my top 50 movies there and we'll reveal the top 10 on here and I might even make a video of the top 10. Who knows? But top 10 TV show is going to be available and some other goodies. Can I be on the top 10 video? 
Or am I kicked out of that one? You can kick me out. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not allowed on my video. All right. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is the moneymaker at the end of the day. That face? Yeah. <laughs> let's not uh, let's not uh, sully the okay, image. That's true. You need some facial hair. It's not sully the brand. You need someone to make up for the lack of facial hair. <laughs> I'm trying to grow a stash. <laughs> A stash? I'm trying. Not the, not, not a whole beard, just a stash. Yeah. Woo. Stashes are back. Like Korg's boyfriend. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but sure. From Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Korg is getting down with Freddie Mercury as a rock monster. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, check those out. Go to the YouTube channel. I think it's youtube.com slash too many thoughts media and uh, the website tmt.media or too many thoughts media.com. Get you to the same place. Love you. All right. Until next time. What are you doing? We're here to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs>